Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. This is AppSats Radio, help for partners after sexual betrayal. We talk about it here. Betrayal trauma. We are AppSats certified clinical partner specialists and coaches who have been trained to help navigate you through this crisis. There is nothing we won't talk about. Sometimes listeners want to know about triggers. I was dealing with the aftermath of my husband's affairs, and he still works the same job that he did when he was acting out. It's a job that allows him to hide his goings-on and one that he stated was the previous trigger for his acting out. The whole 16 and a half years we've been together, he's acted out. In the beginning, what I thought it was was just pornography. Um, it ended up being, I found out two and a half years ago, he had been with multiple prostitutes. I only found out a very small portion of that until about a month ago. How do you cope with all of that when you still have to deal with unavoidable triggers? Well, of course you would feel traumatized by hearing all that information. And I got to tell you, Stephanie, that's a staggered disclosure. That's finding out little bits and pieces about your husband's behavior throughout a time period, making you feel insecure, unsure, and unsafe. So what we got to do is set up a situation whereby you get with a specialist to do a formal disclosure so you can hear everything at one time in a safe environment. And you know, most partners have to face being triggered by so many both internal and external things out there. There is just no doubt about it, you know. She didn't feel safe because her husband's out working, working um, and traveling and going out and being, uh, having the world at his fingertips. You know, we say sex addiction is affordable, accessible, and anonymous. And when you have that kind of a job, that you can just travel around the city or the state and meet up with or hook up with anybody, it makes it very tough. Um, now, what what she needed to do is to figure out what kinds of boundaries she was going to put in place to keep her safe. And she also needed to figure out how she could manage her triggers. Um, And so that's what I would be asking you. You know, one of the things that I believe is that no matter how many days, weeks, or months, or even years that you've lived with a partner who has problematic sexual compulsivity, it is so important for you to be safe and for you to focus on you. And There's just no doubt that when the limbic system is activated and you're not feeling safe, not only does it throw your brain offline, but it keeps you in in either a very hyper-aroused state or a depressed state. And so I would ask you, do you think you tend to get hypervigilant 
Or do you think you tend to just want to crawl up in the bed and put the covers over you and sleep and avoid having to deal with your feelings and your thoughts and your beliefs? Either one of those reactions are normal, but a good partner-sensitive therapist or coach should be helping you to move out of that arena. Because the truth of the matter is that you deserve more in your life, and I really mean this, than to have to worry about what he's doing 24-7. You know, that is a safety and stabilization concern. What is he doing? Is he cheating on me? Am I safe? And, of course, that then ripples into... What happens if he does? How will I know? I don't want to be duped again. And then that ripples into where am I going to go? How am I going to deal with this? What is going to happen? Now, there are so many ways to get help with that. If you go to appsats.org and you um, put in your own location, you can find an APSAT certified um, clinician or coach, hopefully in your area. But the good news is they don't even necessarily have to be in your area if you can do telehealth or are willing to do phone, FaceTime, or Zoom coaching. You know, if there's one thing COVID has taught us, we are no longer left to our own demise when it comes to finding a professional that really understands partner sensitivity. Now, I got to tell you, there are, there are some organizations that promote partner sensitivity, and they do a really good job. But there is not a finer organization than APSATS because APSATS was the premier organization. APSATS talked about partner sensitivity when nobody else knew what that was about. And that's why I'm I'm so proud to be part of this organization. So proud that I do this podcast and I'm on the board and I train. I want other coaches and other clinicians in the country, in the world, to know about this organization. Because what I believe to be true is that this is the best training you are going to get. Absolutely the best training in the world. Now, I just want to throw it out to you. Um, When you work on yourself and when you get healthy and when you find that you want to work with partners, we have lots of different ways for you to do that. We have different organizations that can train you on how to do certain types of partner recovery. APSAC will work with you if, if you're, you know, a stay at home mom and you don't have any schooling behind you, no, you're probably not going to go back for seven years of social work to get your clinical license. But you can go to a coaching school that is accredited, and this is all on the website, the APSATS website, 
and then take your training, decide if you like it, and then if you do, part of that consultation process of getting you certified is then then you work with some of our masters, if you will, and and supervise with them and talk about cases and and learn how to give back. That's so very important. And then maybe you'll do what I did. I just finished my um, partner uh, recovery workbook, um, and it's on trauma. Today I am going to be having just one of the finest coaches in the world, Beth Dennison. She has written a 12-week partner recovery guide. And it's a journey to healing from sexual betrayal. I know. I love the book. I endorse the book. She has promoted partner healing, she and her husband, Mark, for years. Uh, They developed an organization to help addicts who really know um, and want help. They know they're an addict. They want the help. And Mark helps them through several different uh, organizations and through, with several different recovery programs. And then I'm telling you, Beth has founded There's Still Hope with her husband, Mark, and it's a national sexual addiction recovery ministry. And she's a certified partner recovery coach. She, too, is trained by APSAC in the multidimensional partner model. And so she wrote this book, and I'm telling you, if you want a focus, if you want a knowledgeable and experienced guide to help you navigate, as she calls it, these tumultuous waters, this is your book. She's your person. And Beth, it just does a great job of combining sound recovery principles, spiritual insights, and practical tools. And this book is all of the above. It's very she-functioning skills. And so I can't say enough about the book. I can't say enough about Beth. And, you know, how lucky are they to work together and help couples to heal. That's what she and Mark do. So, again, this is a 12-week partner recovery guide. She's going to be talking about it. Um, It's interesting because she developed this book, this guide, that combines scriptural insights and sound psychoeducational information And it has a very trauma-sensitive approach. There's nothing worse. You know, I was talking to a woman this week, and she had done some anchor work at a treatment center. And she left that treatment center feeling like they were saying, okay, it's time to get over. This was 19, no, 2002. But I left with them basically telling me, okay, you did your anger work. You did your grief work. Now, this is all in five days, right? 
Now it's time for you to get on with it, get over it, move on, help him heal. Uh, You should be over this by now. Now, her husband was talking with me, too, and he said, now it wasn't exactly like that. But the truth of the matter is that we know that 10, 20 years ago, there was not a partner-sensitive approach. You know, it was what we call addict-centric. It was all about helping the addicts. And although I'm a big proponent for helping the addicts, I was a CSAP first. That's a certified sexual addictions therapist. I am all about that. But if we can't help the entire family, if we can't help the partner heal while he's getting good recovery, and if we can't help him to show her relational empathy, they're not going to be in a situation that's going to make them feel good about being together. And that's what I want to do. I want to make them feel good about being together. So that's why APSATS trains people on how to be partner sensitive and is promoting real sensitivity to the addict too. We may love working with our partners, but we really understand that people want to heal. And if they can heal together, that's typically their preference. And if they can't, that's okay too. That is, that is absolutely okay because it's really your right as a partner to decide what you need. So, again, I'm so happy to have Beth Dennison on the show talking about her book, her 12-week partner recovery guide, The Journey to Healing from Sexual Betrayal. And, Beth, this is such a good book. I am so glad you're going to be sharing a little bit about the book with our listening audience. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be able to talk about it. Yes, because this came out, what, a couple months ago? Um, Yes, very recently. Okay, now I want to ask you, because you've got a whole background, and I've told them a little bit about you, but I want to know a little bit about you and, of course, why you decided to write the book. Tell us about you, Beth. Okay, well, um, I was have been married to my husband for 38 years, but the first 30 years, um, he was a senior pastor. Um, I was pastor's wife, and um, he pastored um, a large church, was a senior pastor. He was a chaplain for the Houston Rockets uh, pro basketball team, chairman of his alumni board. I taught Bible studies and spoke at women's conferences and Um, You know, we just had this wonderful life, or so I thought, Uh, but as it turns out, he had uh, a secret, a secret addiction. He was a sex addict, and in 2013, when I discovered this, um, well, my world as I had known it came to an end, Um, and so it was at that time that we got into recovery, but, you know, I learned that... um, there's not a lot of information in the Christian community on how to deal with this. And I felt very alone. Uh, we both got into recovery and I just kind of muddled my way through for a while. Um, but kind of found my way, had, had a good therapist and uh, finally found a good group 
but I recognized then that there's just a lack of information, and especially in the Christian community, on dealing with this, and people feel very alone and isolated, and I wanted to be able to equip people. So we moved to Florida at that time to be near our son, and a couple of years after we had started re- recovery work, we felt God leading us to allow our problem to become our platform. And so we both got more training. My husband, who already had three degrees, went back to school and got a master's in addiction recovery. I did all that work alongside of him because I just wanted to know more about the subject. Um, He became uh, a pastoral sex addiction professional, was trained in that. I went and was certified as a life coach, and then I did the training to be a partner recovery um, coach through the American Association of Sex Addiction therapist and um and then I trained through AppSat to be your know, partner sensitive to the trauma model and um we launched our ministry there's still hope several years ago um to help addicts and their spouses to find recovery and restoration and also we work with a lot of people in ministry and we work with churches helping to train uh, pastors and leaders on how to better deal with this subject, but we received a lot of, I'm sorry, misinformation when we were first looking for help. As a matter of fact, I think one of the most horrifying things is we went to a Christian therapist at a very large church, and um, one of the things that they um, suggested was that we watch pornography together, which um, is just the absolute opposite of what you need in this situation and, and very harmful information. And so I wanted to, to provide materials that would help women to work through recovery. And that's um, kind of the basis. That's my background um, and just kind of a small intro into why I wrote the book. Yeah, and, you know, I'm so glad you brought that up about getting ill, misguided advice because let's face this. Yeah. If you're working with people that want to help and they don't understand about, A, sex addiction, and B, partner betrayal and sensitivity and trauma, you are going to get those kinds of solutions that will actually make things much, much worse. We, we know that a man who's working on a sex addiction should never look at pornography because it keeps his reward center and the brain open and he won't be able to recover. So when you got that information, did both you and Mark know, hey, that was not good information, or did you struggle with whether to receive that information or not? You know, I think because we were both very much um, grounded in biblical principles, we knew that that was not healthy information, um, And so we did not go back to that particular therapist. But that left us, again, trying to find trained help, which is one of the reasons that when we felt God calling us into this, we didn't want to just have our own experience. We wanted to get training so that we would not pass along damaging information. We wanted more than just our experience and our story, and so we felt it was important um, to get training to be better equipped to help other people. Yeah, and you have done such a good job of that. Now, tell me what made you decide to write the book. 
Well, I tell you, I, um, God just in his wonderful timing gave me a wonderful um, illustration yesterday. Yesterday I was attempting to um, get a little plastic cap off the top of a bottle. And um, it wasn't coming off. And so I just grabbed a kitchen knife to try to pry this little plastic cap off of this bottle. And I was holding the bottle with my left hand and trying to pry it with my right hand and giving it some force. And it slipped. And I stabbed myself with the knife. Um, oh and I God. was alone. But as soon as I did it, as soon as I did it, I knew immediately this was not good. I had stabbed myself in the finger. Um, and so I just started running water over it immediately, watching blood go down the sink, trying to be calm and think, okay, what do I do in this situation? I'm alone. I'm bleeding. I think this is not good. What do I do? And so I grabbed for some paper towels and I wrapped it up and I applied pressure trying to stop the bleeding. And after a few minutes of this, every time I removed the paper towels, it was still bleeding. So I held it for quite a while. But then, you know what? I was doing other things when this happened. I didn't have time to just sit and take care of this, or so I thought. And so um, I wrapped the paper towels around my hand, and it was it's cut in such a way that I could wrap it around my finger, around my hand, and then apply pressure with the thumb from that same hand. So I could do that, and that left me one free hand. So I proceeded to try to do the things that I needed to get done with one hand. And after several hours of this, several hours of this, I thought I had the bleeding stopped. And I had a session with a client, and I'm on a Zoom call, and I look down, and blood is running down my hand. <laughs> and oh, my fortunately, God. Fortunately, <laughs> I had paper towels still close by, and I wrapped my hand up again. And um, this went on for several hours. It actually took me about five hours to get it stopped enough that I could then treat it beyond that. Well, you know, that is exactly what partners who have been betrayed by their partners or spouses, they've been sexually betrayed, they often think this is my partner's problem. It's their issue. Why would I need any kind of help? They're the ones with the problem. But unfortunately, they've been stabbed by this right. and they are bleeding they're bleeding profusely it's not their fault but they're still bleeding and they need they need help they need medical attention um and so their first um primary uh, goal should be to to stabilize to stop the bleeding and so mm-hmm. part of what i do through the workbook is to help stabilize these partners who are bleeding from this trauma of sexual betrayal. And so that first step is just kind of stabilizing them and stopping the bleeding. Well, of course it is. And what an incredible metaphor for exactly how a partner feels. I've heard it described as it's like I got run over by a car or a truck and he keeps running over me. So it is, 
obviously a metaphor for the fact that you can't do it alone. You need partner specialists that are that are trauma sensitive. And this book actually walks you through from a spiritual basis how to deal with the trauma, the grief, the pain. And and it, I love that it also gives exercises to fulfill your sense of self and your heart and bring joy to you again. I mean, it not only helps with the trauma, but it also helps with how you can feel again. It gives a lot of hope. Yeah. Tell us about some of the exercises, would you? What's the format? Well, I tell you what, it is, um, I look at the different aspects that need attention, that need to be healed. And what's really funny, again, back to my analogy, last night as I was laying in bed, I'm looking, I'm kind of, I'm a person who Googles everything. If I don't know something, I'm going to Google it. So I'm still dealing with my hands. I'm looking at, so those are steps to do if you have a puncture wound. And one of the things that it says, you know, the first is to stop the bleeding. Okay, well, that's pretty much all I had done. But then it goes on to say, once you stop the bleeding, you need to clean out that wound. You need to attend to that. Then you need to apply some kind of antibiotic ointment. And a couple of the things that it said that were interesting is if it bleeds for more than 10 minutes or if it's deeper than a quarter of an inch, you need to seek medical attention. Well, I had done none of that. I thought I could do this on my own. (laughs) And um, so I've attempted to do this on my own. Well, Unfortunately, a lot, of, a lot of wounded partners try to do this on their own, not recognizing that there are a lot of aspects of this trauma that they need to address. And so part of what the workbook does is takes them through different areas of healing, um, dealing with anger, um, dealing with issues of control, learning how to set healthy boundaries, um, developing a safety plan so that you can feel um, emotionally safe and secure in your own home in this relationship with someone who has wounded you. And so it looks at things, we're, we're a whole person, we're a complex person, but we're not just a body. We are not just a mind. We are a spiritual being with a physical body and an emotional uh, mind as well. And so I try to look at, this trauma from what people are going through in all of these areas and to address it from all of these areas. So I look at, okay, what's happening in our body and what are some practical ways to stabilize our body when we encounter a trigger, something that reminds us of this trauma that we've experienced and our brain goes offline. What do we do physically to get ourselves grounded again. And there are some very practical tools in the workbook on how to kind of reground yourself. Um, I, I use the analogy, like you've been transported back into time to when this trauma happened. You've got to get back in the present. How do you do that? There's some real practical grounding techniques um, on, you know, identifying some things in the room. Smelling and taking some smells so you are just bringing yourself back to the present. I deal with things on grief. 
How do you process grief? What are some really practical ways to process grief? So some really practical things, physical way, but also from a spiritual level. And I love it because, um, you know, I'm a Christian and we uh, were very grounded in the Bible, but sometimes we think of it as just a spiritual book, but there's so much practical information in there as well. And one of my favorite stories on dealing with um, trauma and um, depression and so forth that comes with this betrayal is out of the, out of, of the example of Elijah. Um, Elijah is in a situation where he's running for his life and he goes off by himself into the wilderness and he just lays down and sleeps and he basically wants to die. He has isolated himself from everyone. He's not thinking clearly. All he wants to do is sleep. He's obviously experiencing some depression. And in this very practical story that God has chosen to include in his word, an angel comes and wakes Elijah up and says, you need to wake up and eat. So he provides, the angel provides food for him. Elijah wakes up, he eats a little bit, and he goes right back to sleep. Well, once again, the angel wakes him up and says, you need to eat. And he goes on to say, and I love this because he says, the journey ahead of you will be too much for you if you've not eaten. I love that God has chosen to include very basic self-care principles that we need, especially mm-hmm. at times when we're faced with betrayal, when we want to curl up in a ball, forget life exists, and just you know, curl up and die, and God is saying, no, you've got to take care of yourself. This is, a, this is a journey ahead of you. You've got to sleep like you should, eat like you should, take care of yourself, or you're going to flame out. And that's what I love about God's Word because it's very scriptural principles that um, not just addressing our spiritual selves, but also our physical selves as well. And um, I love including that. Um, in the recovery workbook because I think you have to address all of these areas that have been so impacted by the trail trauma. Well, 100%. And I want to ask you, what do you think, um, or maybe I should say, why do you think someone should use your book over somebody else's? I mean, I love the fact that it's 12 weeks. It has a beginning and an end. Um, But why should a betrayed partner work through this book? Well, I would recommend it because, as I said, it deals with 12 very basic areas that need to be addressed for somebody to walk through and heal from this trauma. It addresses the areas that need to be addressed, just like, like, like I said with my wound care. There are some very basic things that need to be covered for my wound to heal correctly. I can stop the bleeding, but if I don't address the potential for infection, if I don't keep this wound covered and protected, it's not going to heal properly. I risk infection. I risk not healing correctly or not healing at all. That is why I think this workbook is so important because it addresses those things that need to be tended to if that person who's experienced betrayal trauma is going to heal properly 
and completely so that they can go on and live a healthy life regardless of what their partner chooses to do. They want to live a healthy and complete life, not walking through the rest of their life as a wounded victim. Well, 100%. And, you know, you said that obviously you did not know the additional things to do and that that's very much like a partner. And I would even go so far as to say that had you not read those directions and realized that there were other things that you needed to attend to, the infection, you could have gotten very infected and could have lost the finger. And, and we right. know that sometimes partners stay in a relationship and without the proper support, they feel like the marriage is dead. They, they can't trust again. And so, you know, this book does help the anger and the boundaries needed and the consequences. Now, I understand that this book is an excellent book for any clinicians or coaches that are listening that can be used um, to benefit group work with partners. Tell me about that. Yes. Well, I use it in my coaching one-on-one, but I also take groups through it. And, you know, one of the, the values of doing it as a group is that you have other people in there who can relate to what you're going through. Going through the child trauma can be a very isolating experience. It can be um, ridden with shame um, and pain, and we tend to feel like we're alone and that nobody could possibly understand the experiences that we're having. So when you're in a group and you have the um, privilege of hearing other people share their stories, you recognize that you're not alone, that other people have faced the same thing. And there is real healing that happens with connection. And so you have the material that you need, but you also have the um, privilege of walking through this with other people who've been through the same thing. And that can be incredibly encouraging um, when you have that connection. That makes sense. I mean, it's one thing to not feel alone, but it's another thing. I know I say this all the time to my folks. I say, you know, the beauty of a group is that there may be six, eight, ten women that can be available to you all times of the day and night. And I said, I'm not available at two in the morning, but you may have a group member that actually, you know, she stays up late or she works the night shift. And and so Mm -hmm. not only do they understand and they can be encouragers, and we know how important that is, but they're also much more accessible than the average clinician and coach. So this book would be an added benefit to anybody who's doing group work. And certainly my groups run 15 weeks. Um, This would be great for a 12-week group. Yes. Yes. So now, tell me, obviously, you are uh, a pastor's wife. Is Mm -hmm. he still a pastor? Is Mark still a pastor? No, we we do the ministry that we do, we we do it full-time. And so our full-time ministry now is working with um, addicts and their partners. And um, uh, we do work with a lot of people in ministry. Um, There's Mm -hmm. just, it's a dynamic and we have a lot of um, people in ministry whether it's 
missionaries or pastors or staff members and their spouses um, that are going through similar things because not only do you have the isolation of addiction um, and being a partner of addict, you also have the isolation that often comes with ministry um, and feeling like you're kind of in a bubble anyway and you're risking everything when you're going through this. And so to feel that extra measure of um, confidentiality and safety with someone who's been through this, I think is an added bonus. Um, We also work with, with churches because as I said, there unfortunately are people out there who go to their pastor or go to, you know, their church leader with these issues wanting help and they're just not equipped to, to deal with it. And we would like to be a resource for, for churches and, um, and ministers and also to help equip them so they have some level of knowledge in this area because it is such a growing issue that I dare say there's not a church on the planet that doesn't have somebody in there that's dealing with this. Um, and, you know, it's the church has responsibility to be equipped to deal with all manners of um, difficulties that people are facing. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And I want to remind our listening audience that I'm talking with Beth Dennison. She wrote 12-week um, recovery guards guide for partners and it's the journey to healing from sexual betrayal Beth is a coach she actually um, got her training through AppSats as well as several other places and she and her husband Mark have a ministry called There's Still Hope and you can take a look at that at www.therestillhope.org and you can contact Beth at that same address Beth at There's Still Hope org. Now, Beth, I want to ask you, are there a couple of things that you feel you would like our listening audience who are primarily partners to know? Well, I think one of the main things, as I said earlier, when you go through something like this, it's so common to just feel like you're alone, that nobody could possibly understand the pain that you're going through. And I would like partners to know you are not alone. You are not alone. There are so many people that have experienced this. So reach out to others for help. You're, you're not alone. Um, so don't feel like you're alone. And, and this is, you know, you're the first person to experience. There are other people that have experienced it. So reach out to get help. I'd also like them to know it's not your fault. This has nothing to do with you. There is nothing that you could have done to have stopped this, to have presented it. Um, it it's, it's just not your fault. There's nothing you could have done to be a better wife, a better lover, um, a better parent. It just has nothing to do with you. And it, it's not personal, but it feels so intimately personal but I just want them to know it's not their fault. And then I guess the, the, the main thing I would say, and, and so the reason that we chose the name that we chose for our ministry, and that is there's still hope. It doesn't matter how bad the situation is, there is still hope with God. He says there's nothing impossible with him. And so there's hope. There's hope for your marriage. There's hope for healing for you. Um, there's still hope. So I, I just want them to be encouraged by that, um, to not just give up, to 
work for um, healing, to press forth and get help. Because I, I love a quote, you know, so often we, we believe this myth that time will heal all wounds. You know, if we just give it enough time, time will pass and things will go back to normal and it will be okay. But unfortunately, um, time doesn't heal all wounds. But that's a myth. I, I love the quote by Jay Marshall. He says, truth is that time doesn't heal anything. It merely passes. It's what we do during the passing of that time that helps or hinders the healing process. And so I want uh, partners out there who have been wounded by this to know, yes, healing is possible, but it's not just going to happen because you allow allow time to pass. You've got to be proactive in seeking out help and working toward healing. Well, and, you know, you guys did a lot of work. I mean, you just shared how you went to counseling and Mark came clean and you actually did a full therapeutic disclosure, didn't you, with a polygraph? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. We did a three-day intensive with a full therapeutic disclosure followed by a polygraph and we did um, follow-up intensives after, after that with followed by polygraph because we just wanted to make sure that we had a foundation of honesty and truth on which to build our marriage. Everything crumbled. And the, the truth of the matter was, like the Bible says, we had a marriage that was built on a shifting foundation. It was not built on a solid foundation because there were lies and deceit and unhealthiness in our marriage. And so when it all crumbled, as devastating as that was, we had an opportunity to get all the secrets to have a fresh start and to build on a clean and a solid foundation. And so we felt like that full therapeutic disclosure with a polygraph was just a springboard for that. Well, yeah, because what partners first and foremost want to do is they want to know the truth so they can decide what they're going to do with the truth. And the Full therapeutic disclosure and followed by a polygraph is the best way to get that truth. Now, you two have been lucky enough to work together and create a ministry and help other couples. And so I want to know what's next for you? What else do you have planned? Well, we actually are working on a a new workbook for couples. Um, You know, we, Mark works with, addicts and I work with partners who have been betrayed, Uh, but so often they're kind of running parallel tracks, uh, but they're not connecting. And so we're writing a workbook for couples to learn how to connect so they're not just on their own islands trying to heal, but there's connection that happens in that. And it's going to, again, have some – some spiritual emphasis and we'll also have some very practical exercises that they can do together as couples. And we will work with groups as well with this. And so that's what we're working on now. Um, So hopefully we will have that done uh, by the end of the year. I think we're trying to be optimistic. (laughs) Well, that is really exciting because you and I both know that, the addict can get into some really good recovery and be working 
really hard. And the partner is wanting the addict to develop the relational skills to help her heal. And yet addicts don't necessarily know how to do that. And unless they are taught by people that have been through it or people that are professionals, um, they're going to continue to try to do it on their own. And that's what we've been talking about today. This kind of a situation cannot be fought with somebody just doing it on their own. They really have to get the advice of experts that understand the collateral damage that's caused because of sexual addiction. Absolutely. And so, um, obviously, you guys have a big mission in this ministry, and I agree there is still hope. I want to remind everybody you can go to their ministry or to their site, www.therestillhope.org, or contact Beth at therestillhope.org. Because, Beth, you coach people individually and in yes. groups. And you yes. do psychoeducation at churches and at conferences and all sorts of things with and without Mark, correct? Yes, that's true. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So if people want to get a hold of you, they can email you at Beth at therestillhope.org. Yes, and as a matter of fact, I'm starting a new group, a new 12-week group um, on September 14th. So um, if anyone is interested in going through the workbook with the group, um, that's going to start on September 14th. That's a Monday. It'll be on a Monday evening. So um, if they're interested, they can reach out to me um, through our website or through my email. Oh, wow. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. I so, so appreciate you having done this book. You know, partners want to know what they can do. And, you know, you've lived through it. And you have done absolutely the best in post-traumatic growth by giving back and creating, and you are giving people hope. So, Beth, thank you so much for sharing your 12-week partner recovery guide with us. And where can they get the book? You can order it through our website. It's available there or through Amazon. It's actually also available through Barnes & Noble and Target, um, uh, actually several places. So if you just, if you put it in your Google search, they'll come up several places that you can locate the book and purchase it, or you can get it through our website. Oh, I love that. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And I look forward to talking to you again and just keep doing what you're doing because you're making a huge difference in the life of partners and couples. Carol, thank you so much for having me on. It was a pleasure. All right. Okay, you take care. You too. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Again, that was Beth Dennison and um, her book, The 12-Week Partner Recovery Guide, Journey to Healing from Sexual Betrayal, just came out. It'd be great for coaches and clinicians to get and use in group therapy or use individually with your clients. And for any of you partners out there, Um, I guarantee I've read through this from top to bottom. And if you're looking for a guide um, that especially cites scriptural uh, references and stories, this is the book for you. All right. 
Well, I'm Carol, the coach, and I can't wait to talk with you next week. You have a um, good end of the month. And remember, there will only be one of you at all times. So fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. Make it a good one. For more information, go to AppSets.org, the Association of Partners of Sex Addicts Trauma Specialists, to find a professional in your area who is trained to help you after sexual betrayal. 